With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I want to say thank you to the Iowa Pork Producers for coming on and being a sponsor of the Hawkeye Nation podcast. The Iowa Pork Industry, including production, processing, and packing, provided more than 141,000 jobs in 2015. That's about the total combined populations of Ames, Ankeny, and Coralville, with nearly 52% in production. And the pork industry contributed over $750 million in state and local taxes in 2015. Iowa, get this, Iowa produces a third of the hogs raised in the United States and is the nation's leader in pork production and more than 90% of Iowa's hog farms are family owned. So thank you to the Iowa pork farmer. Thank you to the Iowa pork consumer. Visit their website at iowapork.org. Pour one more beer for me. Exile means quality. So savagely. Podcast Miller and Dace, the final um, regular season recap as it relates to the Iowa game and the Iowa Hawkeyes put on an historic beatdown of the Nebraska Cornhuskers 56 14, most points Iowa has ever scored in this. I think 56 points, the third most ever allowed by Nebraska at home, um, which happened, I think, twice this season alone. Uh, not a great Nebraska team. Finished four and eight, worst record since I think nineteen sixty one, and they had what fifty points put up on them for three consecutive weeks and four times in the same season for the first time in program history. So, a lot of historic lows for Nebraska. Uh, as you may recall, I, I did not have much confidence in Iowa's offense bouncing back after what we'd seen the last couple of weeks and I was wrong and I talked about it quite a bit on Saturday Steve what were your general thoughts um this became the game I thought it was going to be in the second half I I said in our 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 pick segment that I thought early momentum in this game would be a huge plus because I wasn't sure psychologically where each team was. So uh, I could see a, a real quick switch, kill switch, in terms of energy, enthusiasm, confidence for either team, depending on who established themselves first. And uh, both teams actually showed some resilience early on. You know, the opening of the game where it looks like Iowa's going to get a scoop and a score and then it's overturned. But, you know, I, I think that if that scoop and score had gone down, I think this final still would have been 56-14. to 14. I just think we would have seen the avalanche we saw in the second half and the first. 
Um, and then, you know, Iowa survived a couple of special teams meltdowns that put Nebraska right back in the game. And then the rest of the game was a series of Nebraska special teams meltdowns, which sort of precipitated meltdowns and every other facet of, uh, of the game. And then in the second half, when both teams came in tied, Iowa did take the early momentum. And then you saw Nebraska hit the kill switch from there. Um, and it's just unbelievable what has become of the Husker program. Now, it appears they're about to get some, some good news now. But um, if you'd have told me before the season, John, Iowa was going to score upwards of 100 points against Ohio State and Nebraska and go 7-5, and five, <laughs> I'd have said you were nuts, man, but it's a crazy – crazy sport john that's why we love it. it it is indeed nebraska had nine second half possessions and in seven of those nines they ran three plays or less some of those were your traditional three and outs some of them were turnovers and outs uh i think you tweeted this and and i did too i think it was early in the second half when nebraska had fourth and one and chose to punt it that was uh, a bad call, and, and you're right. Iowa, you know, I think Iowa was down. Was it 14-7 when um, Amir Smith Marset caught the kickoff at the one? Not yeah, caught the kickoff at the one and stepped out. And it's either 14. Gosh, let, me, let me try and find here exactly what it was. Yeah, 15 plays, 99 yards. So I think it was. Maybe seven. I I just, whatever it was, I thought Iowa was in a lot of trouble at that point in time, but they went on a 99-yard drive. And really, I think one of the big turning point plays was when uh, Iowa, I think, had a three and out, and Noah Fant dropped a ball that would have been a first down, and Iowa punted the ball, and Nebraska ran into Iowa's punter, which gave Iowa the possession back, and Iowa scored a touchdown right before the half to tie it up. And then it was on from that point in time, and um, just you're right. It, it's just it's crazy as as you sit back and and look at the season. And I think Iowa's offense probably wasn't all that far off from what both of us expected back in in August. A team that uh, was going to struggle at the wide receiver position, and they did. I still think if you look across the Big Ten, um, you know Iowa's receiving core as a whole is going to rank near the bottom of the Big Ten. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Iowa's most dangerous playmaker in the in the uh, passing game uh, was a tight end in Noah Fant, who had ten touchdown receptions as a true sophomore. He's got eleven for his career now. The all-time Iowa record for tight ends is thirteen for a career. And Noah Fant may, you know, pass that mark before we get the Big Ten play last year. Nate Stanley, uh, I think, on the whole, performed better than I would have expected him, a 25-6 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. He completed 56% of his passes. But, Steve, do you think it's unfair to say Iowa averaged maybe two-and-a-half to three drops per game this season? I think that's absolutely fair, you bet. So, you know, you talk about that, that's, you know, at least another 24 to 36 uh, completions 
and who knows how many more points that leads to. So, so I, I'm really not all that interested in playing the what if game. I mean, I've seen a lot of people this weekend tweeting at me, "Hey, they were seven and five. They should have been nine and three. You know, you know, if Amani Hooker gets his fingertips on that ball against Penn State, and you know, they should have beat Northwestern, and they should have beat Purdue. So maybe this team should have been ten and two. I, I just don't see it that way. I think the Penn State game, as much as anything, it was a fluke that Iowa was even in that game. When you consider the statistical advantage Penn State had in nearly every area, two to one minimum in yards. First, you look at all that. I mean, some some of those stats were three to one advantages for Penn State, and Iowa was very fortunate to be in that position. Nearly won it. The win would have counted, but I just don't put that one in the win column. The Northwestern game, that's probably the only one that I look back on and really feel like Iowa absolutely should have won that game. You can't convince me that Iowa should have beaten Purdue last week with the way that Iowa played in that game. Is Iowa better than Purdue? Yeah, I think they are, but they didn't come out and play. So, yeah, do I think that 8-4 and four, easily in their grasp? No doubt. 7-5, uh, and five, not the kind of thing you do cartwheels over. But I, I think winning this last game the way they did, and if they can win a bowl game, I think – it makes the offseason a lot more palatable than what we were looking at had Iowa lost in Lincoln. Uh, I agree with that. You know, and, uh, I, I'm not going to really argue they could have been this, could have been that. I mean, I, I think most of the time, you know, I wouldn't say it's a metaphysical certainty, but I think most of the time you are what your record says you are. Um, Iowa still beat the Vegas over for whatever that's worth. It was six and a half. They got to seven. Um, I, I don't, they're going to go to a, you know, a, 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 who knows? Well, I'm sure we'll talk about bowl game here in a moment. But it was sort of, I, I let me put it this way. I, I'm fumbling here because it just seemed like a really nondescript season. You know, I mean, it just, um, and when you look at it, they won three of the four biggest games on their schedule. And darn near, you know, even though they got statistically dominated against Penn State, I mean, they lost that one on the very last play of the game. So it, it is weird. I mean, again, if you would have said before the season, you know, Iowa's four big games, Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa State, Nebraska. You know, and if you throw Wisconsin in there, you know, that's probably, you know, Iowa's big five. But if you would have said Iowa was going to come out of that those five games with a three and two record, looking at the rest of their schedule, mm-hmm. I I would have figured they probably would have gone nine and three. That, that's what that's what makes it such a very strange year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't, you know, Akram Wadley to me did not, <clears throat> pardon me, have the statistical season. I mean, he had a really good season, but not the statistical season I think a lot of us anticipated. On the other hand, Nate Stanley had a much better statistical season than a lot of people anticipated. I thought Josie Jewell had an All-American season. I think Josh Jackson kind of, <clears throat> pardon me, came out of nowhere to, to have, I my guess will be he will, he's going to be on some All-American teams here in the next week or two and uh, be a serious candidate for the NFL draft. So uh, it's... It's a strange season in that some things went right that you didn't anticipate. Some things did not go as right as you would have thought. And 
they ended up on the plus side of their big of, of their five big games. And when you look at those five big games, Wisconsin turned out to be even better than people thought in the preseason. Iowa State turned out to be a lot better than people thought in the preseason. Penn State's about as good as people thought they were in the preseason. They were anywhere from, you know, 6th to 10th or 11th in a lot of the preseason polls. That's about where they are right now. And Nebraska turned out to be worse, you know, which sort of, you know, they're over. Nebraska's win total, I believe, was only six and a half, too. Right. So, you know, they were slightly below what they were expected to be, which sort of cancels out Wisconsin being slightly above where it was supposed to be. Iowa State was way ahead of where it was supposed to be. And that road win now turned out to be really the only decent or the only really good non-conference win the league had this year. So, you know, if if you'd have told me at the start of the year, Nathan Stanley was going to throw 25 touchdown passes and Iowa was going to go three and two in those big five games, man, I'd have thought they were at least nine and three. Right. You know, but it's just, it's a weird season this year for Iowa. It is. And and I... I, I do believe this, and I, I said as much in the podcast, the Instant Reaction podcast on Friday, and, and I, I, I'll i go to my grave believing this about this season. I think the difference for Iowa this year between seven and nine wins are your bookend, fifth-year senior, three-year starting tackles not being around for the season. I mean, I, I don't know how many snaps Boone Myers even took at tackle before he shut it down. Maybe none. Alaric Jackson was your starting left tackle, I think, the entire season. And on the other side, Ike Bucker got hurt in the second half. I think it was the second half against Iowa State. So, I mean, and the numbers bear themselves out. You look at, you know, Iowa's national NCAA statistical rankings um, this year compared to last year. Every offensive category, they were better than last year they their passing offensive rank was 26 percent better total offense was 12 percent better scoring offense 27 percent better passing efficiency 46 percent better the, mm. the one that wasn't was their rushing offense that was 35 percent worse from a statistical ranking with all their fbs peers and i I really think the difference between beating a northwestern in a game you lost in overtime and and one at least one other game are those tackles. I think that's pretty much it, and it's fairly mm-hmm. simple to see for me. I think you nailed it. I, I think you nailed it. And then I, I think you have to then – that begs the question, and we'll have, you know, 10 months to answer <laughs> this one. But it essentially comes down to how this season sets up the next one. Um, right. And, you know, we'll have plenty of podcasts to discuss that. But um, – Overall, I don't know. I don't know how, if I'm an Iowa fan, I would describe the season. I, I think winning a bowl game. I think there's a big difference between going eight and five and seven and six. No doubt. In terms of perception, I, I don't think there's any question about that. So I think that's probably a question best left for after the bowl game is over. Right. Is, is then defining how would you rank this season. Um, so for now, I think it comes down to a couple of one, uh, some really nice individual moments. I don't know that, um, any opportunities were essentially lost. I mean, if Iowa goes nine and three might only improve your bowl slotting by 
maybe one spot, given the way things have shaken out. You know, you'd be at the tail end somewhere of the top 25. You'd trade places with Northwestern, basically. Probably, yeah, yeah, that'd be one slot. You're right, you know. So, in fact, that's a good way of describing it. Wherever Northwestern is at right now is where Iowa would be. So I guess you like that a little bit more, but it, it's not like you missed out on a championship or anything else. So, you know, to me, I guess it's just kind of a fun season. You got to see, I think, two All-American players on defense. I think a guy that's going to play a long time if he stays healthy in the NFL, and maybe he'll never be a featured back, but with it, with, and maybe he will be. I don't know. I just I think with this comprehensive skill set, he's going to play a long time uh, in the NFL in Akron Wadley. You got to see the development of a young quarterback and, you know, the two most consistent negatives we heard from the BTN guys back in August during their training camp previews is, you know, they were warning us about Minnesota and they turned out to be right about that. And the Iowa quarterback situation, they were kind of giving us the gulp yikes when they were there watching that in camp and, Lo and behold, Nate Stanley, depending on what happens in the bowl game, may end up moving Chuck Long a slot down in the record books, you know. So uh, I I think that if you win a bowl game and going into a season a year from now where I think the schedule is more fortuitous, this season can be looked upon a lot more fondly than it is right now. And I don't know. I don't hear a lot of negativity. I just think there's a lot of nonplussed takes yeah. on it. There's because a, I think the story's not written yet. I don't think the conclusion right. is finished yet. Right. I don't think there'd be a big uh, poll-winning landslide that this was a satisfying season for the fans by and large. I mean, for me, it exceeded my win total by one game. For me, and I know people get tired of hearing this, but listen, I, I can only relate how I felt. And, and I, I've joked a couple of times, I, I, I wish I would my wife would be willing to come on this podcast and just answer one question, but she declines. <laughs> I, told, I told her in August before the season began that I'm really looking forward to this season just being over because I think it's going to be a slog that some days they're going to look great. And other days are good. Oh boy, do I know what that feels yeah. like? And other, uh, and I'm, I'm feeling you. Yeah. yeah, and other days it's just going to be let's just get it over because my whole outlook on this season was laying the foundation for the next two, and that's yeah. how I came into this year. So for me, I wouldn't sit here and say that it was satisfying per se because that Purdue loss and the and the futility against Wisconsin almost sucked all that joy of the Ohio State game out but I think that joy of the Ohio State game will come back this offseason after I watch it 20 more times but I you know they they did a little better than I thought and they you know I mean this this defense I think you'll like this you're kind of a geek like me I was Iowa led the nation in interceptions led the nation they led the nation in passes broken up and they led the nation in passes defended and That's after losing a guy that won the Thorpe Award two years ago and came back for his senior season and was an All-American as well. That's so. right. And so the fir- the first thing you'd say, well, their run defense must have been amazing, because uh, you know, or or because everybody's throwing on them. Well, their 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 rushing defense wasn't horrible. It was thirty six in the nation, which was twenty percent improvement over last year. So yeah, there were the, and, and the individuals. That's against the schedule that Sagarin has is one of the top ten schedules in the country. And that's that what I was going to finish with. All these things. Being one win better than I thought, one win less than last year that wasn't necessarily a satisfying season to people, 
it was a very, very difficult schedule. The, the toughest schedule, you know, according to Sagarin, in the Big Ten Conference, or outside of Maryland, in the Big Ten Conference. So, I don't know. I, I'm not... I'm not shaking up about it, and you're right. It's not over yet, and the bowl game, I think, is really going to carry. It's really going to carry a lot, and we're going to read quotes from these guys. Oh, yeah, you know, and I've already seen some quotes from, like, Sean Welsh. You know, I've got four bowl rings from bowls we haven't won, and, you know, this is really going to be a big deal. And, you know, this isn't an excuse. It's just an observation. There's been multiple teams from the Big Ten, you know, you know the, the two-up BCS scenario, you'll recall, um, and, and then you get a team into the uh, college football playoff. It moves the Big Ten teams up a slot. So an 8-4 and four Iowa team is now playing in an Outback Bowl against a Florida when an 8-4 and four Iowa team probably should have been a rung lower, uh, et cetera. But, right. But, but it is what it is, and they, they've got they, – they just – the bull win – is more so for me for the fan mindset for the next nine months. That's pretty much all it is. To me, if you're not in the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl or whatever bowl that, that really matters, the playoff, it really is just a, a fun day to fire up the computers one more time and get together as a fan base and watch a football game. Agreed. It's about it. Agreed. It's about it. I, I, I agree. I, I think that what they have become – and, you know, for those who want to expand the playoff, and I, I do think I, – I thought a year or two ago that we might never see it expanded. I, I do think now we will see it expanded because of what's – eventually, because of the money. And, and I'm not sure how much more money is out there given where cord cutting and ESPN are at. But, you know, we could see the major networks come in and bail that out because I, I don't think they want to expand it to four conceptually to eight philosophically or to eight. I'm sorry. I don't think they want to. I think the only reason they would do it is financially. They don't have another good reason. And I, I think they like the veneer of amateurism. So they like, they like money to be the real reason they do things. They like to have a right reason to cover up for that. And, you know, right now we're arguing about a team that um, has two losses that are both by uh, three touchdowns or more. Um, versus a team that really will have no top 15 wins. And we're having an argument about, you know, depending on how things play out next week, which one of them belongs in the playoff. Why that means we should expand the playoffs to eight is beyond me. I don't get that. We actually have we're, – we're, we're into – this will be year four. We haven't had really a competitive semifinal game yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alabama came back for, against Ohio State, which provided some drama, but they ended up winning that game by double digits. So we, we have not had a semifinal game that gave us drama yet. You know, so I, I don't really know what the argument for eight is outside of money, but you can see already it's having the four, the, the, the final four is having a diluting aspect on the Bulls, as I told you it would. Eight will make it worse. And so now what, you know, outside of these New Year's six games, really what we're often talking about is these are glorified spring games. You are getting your 15 practices like you do in a, with spring football. And instead of, you know, the black and gold game, it's, you know, Iowa versus Florida in the 20 in the next season's spring game. That's what last year was. That, that's what these now are, is they are glorified spring games for both teams to get practices for mm-hmm. next year. 
And I think there's value in that. And I think that makes them exciting. And they're, and they're a good precursor to the next season. And I think that's what you're looking at if you're Iowa. If I'm the Big Ten, you know, I took a major hit in perception last year with how my teams per- performed in bowl games. Uh, and several of them were blowouts. You know, I mean, Michigan-Florida State was close, but Michigan was a touchdown favorite in that game. Iowa-Florida, not close. Ohio State-Clemson, not close. Wisconsin had probably a closer game than many expected against Western Michigan in the Cotton Bowl. So if I'm, you know, if I'm the Big Ten, I think, I think if Oklahoma beats TCU, we're going to see three Big Ten teams in New Year's Six bowl games. And from the and after that, the Big Ten's own personal interest slotting takes hold, and they have a, they have a, a rule or two. You know, you can't play in the same bowl game two years in a row now, for example. So. Uh, uh, beyond that, I would be looking at fortuitous matchups if I were the Big Ten, putting my teams in the best position to be successful with the nation watching. Attendance and travel parties don't mean as nearly as much as they did five, ten years ago when you and I did this on a regular basis. I think they're really uh, the, the sprinkling of the frosting on the money line. I, I don't think they drive many of these decisions anymore. I think television network revenue does – when you have a game, you know, when, when you play the Bahamas Bowl with a MAC team and it gets a higher rating than Kentucky Duke College basketball does head-to-head on CBS, I think that tells you these are made-for-television showcases. And, and so this is about getting as many eyeballs, watching a Big Ten team win or represent the league well as possible if I'm the league, and that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at... I'm looking at putting teams that aren't in New Year's Six consideration, Iowa, Northwestern, Michigan, Michigan State. I'm looking at putting them in the most fortuitous situations to be competitive and get a win with a lot of with millions of eyeballs watching as I possibly can. Yes, indeed. Um, some interesting points just before I forget them and, and to uh, memorialize them on our podcast. I'm going to say immortalize them. Husker fans just sat through a two and five season at home, two and five. That's amazing. That's amazing. Iowa becomes the third team to win three straight games at Nebraska in the last forty years. Texas did it four times, ninety eight through twenty ten. Oklahoma three times, eighty four through eighty seven, and now Iowa. Since uh, since uh, now deposed athletic director Sean Eichhorst mentioned that he needed to evaluate where Iowa was at a program. Iowa has averaged forty one points per game and Nebraska has averaged 14 per game in three Iowa wins. Wow. Which is pretty fun. And this is, this one, this one was, I guess, not surprising in hindsight, but when I saw it, here is your list of Iowa running backs in school history that have had back to back 1000 yard rushing seasons. Can you name them? There's four of them. Akron Wadley just did it. I'm I'm putting you on the spot here. You are you are putting me on the spot there. Um, <laughs> That's what you get when you're the savant. Sean Green would not be on the list because he was kind of a one-hit wonder, correct? Right? Yep. Um, Cedric Shaw, correct? Um, he's the oldest. He's the oldest. Albert Young. No. Okay. He would have if he hadn't got hurt. Um. Tavian Banks came after Cedric Shaw, but Correct. he only had like really one big year. That's right? true. Yep. The sixteen hundred yard year. Ninety seven was like his one big year. Uh huh. Right? Uh huh. Um, Fred Russell. Yep. Now you got okay. one more. The one uh, and the guy who got this. 
he deserves like extra asterisks for being able to pull this off considering the lines that he was running behind. Oh, you're talking about the guy from uh, uh, from Missouri, yes, right? Kansas City, yep, Blue Springs. Yep, that, that that was there in uh, Ference's very early years. Yep. Played for the he Redskins. Was essentially a one man. Yeah. Offense. I can't. Liddell Betts. Liddell Betts. That's right. Yeah, yep. okay. just four. That's so. I've seen a lot of Iowa fans tweet at me through the years. How come we can't recruit running backs like Wisconsin does? I would say that Wisconsin has. Why? Why are some fans so stupid? <laughs> I, I am just we don't have time for that. I, I am amazed at just some of the stupid stuff that gets sent to me. And I just respond back. And I, I never really paid much attention to this because, you know, when I when I did, I'm more of an Iowa State fan now than I was when I did Cyclone Nation. I mean, that was a great business opportunity for me. And I was good friends with Dan McCartney, so it was a good fit. And I actually got to be emotionally invested in the process of the access to the program I had. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it was the other way around. Most of the time when you do this for a rivals or a scout, you know, you're emotionally invested and then you get access. I got access and that's what got me emotionally invested. So now that I've started Michigan podcast, this is the first time I've really interacted with people. And I mean, some of the stuff that gets tweeted at me and sent to me on game days and stuff, it's just dumb. It's just, I find myself just reacting with like actual statistics you know, I mean, I, I just do you put now I know what you put up with on sound off and everything else. I mean, I it's like we don't even know we can't even we don't even know what to be mad at. Really? Why don't we have any good running backs at Iowa? Really? Really? <laughs> what the hell kind of a take is that? Seriously. I'm not even an Iowa fan. I pulled out Cedric Shaw from my jock strap from 20 years ago. And you're tweeting John Miller. Why don't we ever recruit any good running backs, uh, John? I did. Did you know why our guys just why we got Brownlee out there like every <laughs> flipping freaking fall Saturday, John? Do you know why? The black and gold unites us all. But then what? Kevin, the flag guy from Heartland Flags here. If you're listening to this podcast, you bleed black and gold. But what comes after the Hawks? For me, it's the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. Nope, can't explain it. What about you, Packers and Wizards, Pelicans and Sharks? NASCAR and the Jags, Bulls, Bucks, and Chargers. Whatever flag you want, we've got it. Jump online to heartlandflags.com and shop our huge inventory of sports teams' flags. You won't find a better selection or better prices anywhere. Guaranteed. And to top it off, free shipping on all purchases at heartlandflags.com. Oh, and that Iowa flag you've been flying since the Hawks last went to the Orange Bowl? Time to step up and freshen up with a new design. Check out our Hawkeye selection when you're shopping for your other favorite team flags at heartlandflags.com, where you'll never pay for shipping. Do your fans even watch your team, John? Do they even watch? In fact, it's not, I don't mean to pick, I mean this of every team. Does every team's fans actually watch their team? There's I'm shocked a, yeah. by just some of this stupidity. Are, 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 are two people always been this dumb, or does Twitter just make it readily available to me? Yes and yes, yes and yes. I, th- I think there's just there's always been a um, percentage of the population that has been miserable. Now we just hear from them. <laughs> <laughs> because I just yeah, oh, these gosh. these these people never left their house. So they never got heard at the cafe or the water cooler. Now, we hear them. We hear them. Um, Why doesn't Iowa have any good running backs like Wisconsin does? Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, last thing here, Iowa Bowl conversation, and we'll get more into this Big Ten aspects. I, I think it's it's going to be the Music City Bowl or the Pinstripe Bowl. And this used to be very, very easy for me to winnow down and narrow because it, w- it used to be more power lied in the Chamber of Commerce. You touched on this earlier. Now, mm-hmm. now the power has shifted to the Big Ten offices uh, like the SEC has done all these years to finagle matchups. And also there are these entangling alliances at the Pinstripe Bowl. You know, they want to get seven Big Ten teams over eight years. But in Delaney's perfect world, he wants eight out of eight, and you can't go to Florida X number of years or this, that, or the other. It's too damn confusing. I haven't even tried to memorize it. I just haven't. But I I think it's safe to say that it's going to be Music City or Pinstripe. I know Iowa very much wants the Music City Bowl because I actually think people will go to that one. They can drive there for one, save several hundred dollars on airfare. Uh, would be a very bad year for folks in the charter industry. I, I don't even think that it would be that much of a sellable product, frankly. And I think it would be well attended. I think there'd be about ten to fifteen thousand Iowa fans at a game like that. At least ten, I would say ten, which isn't bad for a, a, a bull tier like that. The Pinstripe Bull, I don't know. I'm not all that. I'm not all that interested. I, I hate this. This, you know. New York bent that Delaney has and I part of me gets it part of me doesn't still even care from the 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 cable bundle aspect and that and that golden goose is about ready to leave so we're still stuck with Rutgers in Maryland so those, I think those are the two you are saying pinstripe in your projection yeah let me explain why so I can walk people through how I came up with my projections because I've read through all the the league selection procedures and everything else okay so I, I have, in, in the way I think the season's going to play out, and I've been projecting this for the last several weeks, and my bowl projections, what I've been projecting was that Auburn was going to beat Georgia, going to beat Alabama, and then Georgia would beat Auburn in the rematch in the SEC championship game. So how I think this is all going to go down is um, I, I think the winner of the big – if Oklahoma wins on Saturday against TCU – I believe the winner of the Big Ten championship game will get into the playoff. Now, if Oklahoma loses, I mean, Wisconsin's going to be in no matter what. There's really only six teams that control their own destiny, and four of them play each other. Wisconsin is in no matter what. And if they win. It, if they win. If, if, in the six, year, the six previous Big Ten championship games, the underdog has covered every game. Hmm. All right? So keep that in mind. But if Wisconsin wins, they're in. I, I now believe Ohio State will get in if they win, um, unless Oklahoma loses. I don't think Alabama – I think outside of SEC media, there really isn't a case for Alabama. And with all due respect to guys like Clay Travis telling me how many wins Alabama has against teams that are six bowl eligible or better compared to Ohio State, here's here, the situation of comparing Alabama – and this is very germane to Iowa – because it, it really answers the question of everything else we're talking about here. If, if you're telling me that Alabama, which will have no top 15 wins, and it's conceivable, LSU, depending on what the rankings say on, on what the final rankings are, depending on what they, they do with Mississippi State now, 
it is possible LSU is the only will be the only top 25 win Alabama will have. That's very possible. And so they have one top 25 win, maybe two if Mississippi State stays in the rankings. They just lost on the, they just lost as a as a favorite to a two-loss team in a game that actually wasn't close. They lost that game by double digits. And that's their whole season. Then you're going to tell me that Ohio State with three top 15 wins, two top 10 wins in Wisconsin and Penn State, another win against Sparty, who will be a top 15 team. You're going to tell me that they aren't going to – they're a powerful brand themselves, and you're going to say to Jim Delaney, the most powerful commissioner in this sport, you're going to tell him we're going to take a, a second team from the SEC – which didn't win its division, just lost its last game by double digits, has no quality non-conference wins, and no top 15 victories? Hell no, that's not going to happen. Now, as a Michigan fan, I will freaking pee myself out of depends at the high V. If Ohio State gets left out like that, I will sit here and freaking dance the jig, all right? I just don't expect it. I don't think that's going to happen at all. I, I think this comparison of Ohio State to this year to or to Alabama this year to Ohio State last year is the wrong comparison. First of all, Ohio State wasn't going to be the second Big Ten team. Remember the controversy. What last year at this time was over the second Big Ten team. Should remember how close Michigan and Washington were. Do you remember this? Mm -hmm. In fact, Michigan was ahead of Washington until Washington beat Colorado in the Pac-12 championship game. And everybody was wondering, how bad will Washington beat Colorado, Michigan beat them by 17? This was the debate we were having at this time last year. All right? It's not the same thing because Alabama would be the second team from this, from this league. The better comparison, if you want to compare Alabama to a past Ohio State team, the real metaphor is Ohio State in 2015. All right. When they were by eye test, they were the most talented team in the country, but they lost that game to Michigan State and the rest of their resume, frankly, wasn't that good. And no, they didn't get in as a, were they were they in terms of talent, one of the four best teams? Hell yeah, they were. But, but were they one of the four most deserving teams? Did they have the resume? No, I think that's a far better. That's a far better analogy than th th for Alabama than this than last year's Ohio State team was. So if we have a guaranteed Big Ten team in the, in, the, in the final, and I think the only way Alabama will get in, and I still wouldn't expect it, is if Oklahoma loses and that gives them the opening to say, well, you know, if Ohio State beats Wisconsin, will Oklahoma beat Ohio State? But I, I don't think Alabama has much of an argument, actually. So that, that then takes, um, you know, two more Big Ten teams. If one of them doesn't go to the Orange Bowl, and I don't think one will, because the Big Ten just sent one to the Orange Bowl last year. And you can. And part of the agreement is there are only so many times the Big Ten can go to the Orange Bowl. And that would actually leave Alabama open for the Orange Bowl to put them in there opposite Miami and, uh, or Clemson, whoever wins the, loses the AC championship game. And that's a pretty attractive matchup for the mm -hmm. Orange Bowl there. And so I think the Big Ten gets passed over for the Orange Bowl. I think um, the Big Ten championship game loser – and, and Penn State are both in the top 10. 
they both get New Year's Six Bowls. If the Big Ten is left out of the Orange Bowl, that automatically kicks in a bid to the Citrus Bowl for somebody. Citrus Bowl would then take Michigan State as the highest-ranked Big Ten team. The Outback Bowl would then be selected by the Big Ten, who they would pick to go there next. You have to think with Northwestern having, I don't think, ever played in that game, them being 9-3. and three, I think um, they've been there, but not many times. Have they been there before? I guess I didn't remember them going. Yeah, I remember I, them being I, in the Citrus I think, Bowl. I think they lost. one year. They either won or lost like almost a near overtime game. I'm going to look that up. I remember them being in a Gator Bowl and a Citrus Bowl. I don't remember them being in the Outback, but I'll, you are the Bull Maven, so I will always defer Dude, to you on yeah. that. Once upon yeah. a time, I was. You might, uh, but, but I'm going up. But I'm going up. Uh, they were there. Well, they were there in 2016. They got beat 45 to six by Tennessee. Wow, why don't I remember that? And they lost in overtime to Auburn, the one I was remembering in 2010, 38 to 35. Yeah. All I, right. Well, now you're well. Now you're creating an interesting scenario. So Michigan has not played in the Outback Bowl since 2002, I believe. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Is that, no, the, no, they played there against South, South Carolina. That was the game Vincent Smith got led up by by Jadavion Clowney. Okay, there You're was right. that one. 2013. All right. All right, so what? See, the 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 Michigan people are saying that the Citrus Bowl was t- told them told them on Saturday that the Big Ten sent out word about two weeks ago. If Michigan doesn't make the near six, don't pick Michigan. They've gotten to Florida enough. We're sending them to, to San Diego. That's what the Michigan people are saying. But that may change depending on the scenario that I'm laying out now. Because, yeah. you know, a few weeks ago, it didn't look like after Iowa put up 55 on Ohio State, it didn't look like there were going to be three Big Ten teams in the near six. Now I think there are. So this, I think, becomes an interesting uh, point for the Big Ten here. If you put if you put Michigan State as the highest ranked Big Ten team remaining in the Citrus Bowl, if they're left out of the orange, and and I think fans listening to us need to understand, the Big Ten will have no say in where its teams go in the New Year Six or the New Year Six. The committee makes that selection. Okay, so if the committee doesn't put a Big Ten team in the Orange Bowl, the Citrus Bowl automatically kicks in. You have to think if Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin are all in the New Year Six. Michigan State, number you know, top fifteen and nine and three. You and I would agree that's probably where the Big Ten's going to put them, right? Don't you think? Well, yeah. I mean, Michigan was in the Orange Bowl last year. They were in yep. the Citrus Bowl the year before that. Then they were in the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. Then in twenty twelve, they were in the Outback Bowl. So yeah, that's a lot of. Then they were in Jacksonville in twenty ten. That's a lot of trips to Florida. So Michigan State in the Citrus Bowl. Who do you put in the Outback Bowl? Iowa cannot go there. You can't go there. Too, we're not Michigan. The Big Ten does no. not allow repeat bowl performances anymore. No. So Iowa's out. So you're put, you're putting Michigan there or Northwestern? Who yeah. do you think they put there? I mean, I would think obviously the Outback Bowl would be lobbying for Michigan. And with Northwestern having been there just two years ago, I I could see it. But either way, I think that Northwestern and Michigan are going to go to the Outback and the Holiday Bowl. All right. Well, one of them goes there and the other goes there. And that leaves the Pinstripe Bowl actually has the next pick. The Music City Bowl has an arrangement very similar to the Tax Slayer Bowl. They can take a certain amount of Big Ten teams in within the period. The Music City Bowl, though, just took a team last year from the Big Ten. My understanding is that the, when I read the Big Ten Bowl selection procedures, is it didn't seem to be in favor of putting – that the, the the tax slayer bowl is put in play 
if no Big Ten team is put in the Citrus Bowl? Well, since I have a Big Ten team in my in my process going to the Citrus Bowl, the Tax Slayer Bowl is out. We sent a team to the Music City Bowl last year. So I don't think I think the chances of going there two years in a row, since we only have so many bids within this time period, are not high. I wouldn't say I wouldn't rule it out, but they're not high. That makes that makes the Pinstripe Bowl next. Northwestern was there last year. They cannot go there. And that's why I have Iowa going there. Well, I would say this. Um, so it, I may be wrong, but I just wanted to explain my logic. I'm not yeah, blaming sure. or trolling anybody. I'm just that that's how I ended up with that selection. Sure. I, I think that I, I do the, the Music City Bowl is not a cut and dried every year thing, so you're right there. I think that the dicing up of when they're in the mix and when they're not maybe is a little more complicated. Because Gary Barta, before and after Iowa's game against Nebraska, the day of, before the game and after, just numerous mentions about the Music City and how he has he said to um, that, that they've told the Big Ten that that is a destination that they would want to go to and that their fans want to go to that. Barta said, quote, and I'm reading Scott Dockerman's report on Land of Ten, I've shared that with the Big Ten. So I, I can't imagine that there would be that much talk from Barta about the Music City Bowl if the Music City Bowl wasn't even going to be in play. Well, that sounds like a lobbying effort. I have no idea what kind of poll yeah, they had. Yeah, I, I don't either. Listen, I, I'd rather, I'll just say as a Michigan fan, I'd rather do the Pinstripe Bowl for us. We have a huge alumni base out there. Um, that's a hell of a lot of media exposure in New York City, um, playing at Yankee Stadium. The amount of their kids we're recruiting out of New Jersey nowadays, I'd much rather play there. Plus, I think the chances of us, because I also, just like the same thing for Iowa, there's a big difference between 8-5 and five and 7-6. and six. I think there's a big difference between 8-5 and five and 9-4, and four too. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd much rather go out there and play the fourth or fifth best team from the ACC which is going to be essentially a home game for us with the alumni body we have um, and the amount of New Jersey recruits we can have come up there for practice and everything else. I'd rather play out there, and you guys can have the Holiday Bowl if you want. I just, you know, I, I don't think... Deal. I'm not so sure how much of what we want as fans matters anymore. Right. We do know that New York City matters a great deal to the Big Ten. I mean, they have essentially risked screwing their own bubble teams in this year's March Madness by playing their conference tournament a week earlier than everybody else in order to get access to New York City. We, we, the, the Big Ten is moving heaven and earth to go there. Now, I don't know that it matters that much to the, the Big Ten. How much does it matter to the Big Ten to – and if it's not if, – if, if Nashville is out, well, then you're talking about the Foster Farms Bowl – so, you know, I don't know how much it matters to the Big Ten to send seven and five Iowa to New York City or six and six Purdue. I, I don't know the answer to that question, and I don't think any of us does. And maybe at that point, since neither one of those are your quintessential TV draws, maybe then travel aspects do make a big difference. But on the other hand, I don't know that the Big Ten wants to have Purdue when you're trying to make the case that New York City's your 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 town now, right? That's the whole justification for for Rutgers is New York City. You want to have Purdue bring its massive travel party of uh, 25? I don't know what kind of a look that is for New York City either. You know, so I don't know, man. 
I don't know the answer to that question. I just think that it's I think the stuff that we used to think matter matters yeah. doesn't matters as much doesn't matter as much as it used to. That's yeah, all. I, I think you're right about that. But I'd rather but if you offered me, hey, you guys can take our spot on the holiday bowl, I'd rather go to the pinstripe bowl. I think that's better for Michigan anyway. All right. But we're not gonna get done. to make that call. Done. Let's do it. Let's call them up. All right, let's put a uh, end to this one. We may be dropping two podcasts in the same day because of everything that is going on <laughs> that we haven't discussed in the world of college football. The next episode of this podcast, I, I have no idea how long it's going to be. There's so much going on now in the coaching carousel. It, it's one of the most crazy times I can recall with a number, may, maybe the most job openings um I don't know. There's just a lot going on. We'll get to it uh, in the next podcast episode. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you shortly.